Welcome to the Worldlings Podcast, where we look at what's happening worldwide each week through a global business lens. I am your host, Michelle Evans, Digital Specialist at the World Trade Center Institute, and I'm joined by Bruce McIndoe, President of McIndoe Risk Advisory and WTCI Board Member. Hey, Bruce, how's it going today? Uh, going well, Michelle. Look forward to our conversation. Yeah, same. So today we're going to look through and discuss all the things happening around NATO. Mm -hmm. So for those who don't know, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, uh, was established in 1949 after World War II. It's essentially like a a worldwide buddy system, uh, meaning that if one of the member states is attacked, the other members members agree to kind of go in and defend them. or whoever is attacked in that case. Article five of the treaty is saying that um, NATO considers an attack on one of the member states to be an attack on all of them. So it's only been invoked once since 1949, and that was after the September 11th attacks against the United States. Why are we talking about this almost 75 years later? Uh, uh, That's a big question. So let's talk a little bit more about NATO. So NATO, mm-hmm. yes, it, it does have this security guarantee, which is important, that collective uh, security of all of the nation member states, but it's a political and security treaty. Okay. So the political part of it is to protect, you know, democratic freedoms of the member states, right? So that's, you know, it's there. And so... Yes, Soviet Union after World War II was the big, you know, monster and and that everybody worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a broader. Obviously, 9/11 was not, you know, it's Russia, right? Uh, so anyway, so that's that's the key thing. So why why are we talking about it? Um, you know, in the in the Trump administration, first Trump administration. Uh, there's a lot of angst around his perception of NATO and demanding, which was fine, that, you know, everybody needed to pay their fair share, which, right. hey, if we're going to have collective defense, you know, as a percentage of the country's GDP, everybody should contribute. Great. Um, but today, you know, as, you know, the former president and the presumptive Republican nominee and, 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 and potential president, uh, you know, in the next election, saying uh, fundamentally, you know, what he was basically saying is, hey, look, everybody needs to pay their fair share. And instead of saying, look, if you don't, you know, we're going to get on you and we're going to penalize you or whatever. Okay, that kind of rhetoric. All right, uh, that's fair. But then what he threw in that caused everyone <laughs> to kind of get ants in their pants was, yeah. oh, and if you don't, then, you know, I'm not going to come to the aid of you if, if somebody attacks you. In fact, the Russians can do whatever they damn want to. And that's not, not a quote, but that was basically what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And that's when everybody reeled back. That was the outrageous part of the statement that he would even say that we're not going to come to your defense. Right. Uh, if, you know, if, as a more transactional thing. So that's why. And it's not the we is not just us in the United States. This is a global. Right. Because obviously, like right now, there's 31 member states. So mm-hmm. they're all going, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and then the rest of the world is going, oh, my goodness, what's happening here? You know, is 
this powerful NATO with backed by, you know, U.S. nuclear arsenal and massive, you know, is this now crumbling and what does that portend, right? So that that's why this is a big topic. Right. So there are really two main points of tension, like the Russian invasion of Ukraine and like you mentioned, former President Trump's um, mm. comments. So let's mm. start with Ukraine first. Why is the Russian invasion of Ukraine causing so much tension when neither one of those countries are actually part of NATO? Um, yeah, so there's a more, there's history there. But I would mm-hmm. say um, the fact that Russia would attack with the clear objective of taking a, a sovereign nation, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that they're in NATO or not at this point, uh is enough to be worrisome to any nation state in Europe, right? So that that's kind of at that level. But NATO had, has and had a path to NATO membership since, I don't know, you know, early 2000s, maybe right. 2006 or eight, I forget. But anyway, so they could have been a NATO member. They are wanting to be a NATO member. And, uh, and we're on that path until, you know, some corruption and issues within the Ukrainian government and then concern about antagonizing Russia, which was the pretext to some degree of why they attacked Ukraine, right? Okay. So uh, anyway, so, so that's why this is all, but, you know, they just felt like it's a domino, right? If, mm-hmm. if, if we just sit back and let Ukraine fall, then what's next? You know, Poland and on. So, so that's right. why this is a big issue. So, if Russia is encroaching on Europe, you know, it's a big fear that they're kind of moving in. Why wasn't the Ukraine invited to join NATO before it was too late? Yeah, like I said, you know, back. Um, let me put. I think it's like two thousand eight. I'll, I'll put that some six or eight. But anyway, there was a an agreement uh, around Georgia and Ukraine that they would have a path to becoming NATO members. So, mm-hmm. so it wasn't too late. It was like, it's been planned. Like I said, we kind of worked through this, hit some bumps in the road, which delayed it. Then there was concerns about, you know, antagonizing Russia. So, so, you know, they very well could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, there was just too many dynamics and it just didn't happen. Now, once it happened to Ukraine, Guess what? Sweden, fin- you know, Finland, other yeah. countries. Like, wait, like, wait we a minute, want to jump on board before <laughs> it becomes a domino. So they're thinking it. So can you kind of give me a brief like description of how a country, you know, becomes a part of NATO? Like, is there a voting process? Is there a vetting Absolutely. process? All the member states, and that's how Turkey was withholding Sweden because mm-hmm. of the. You know they had a, a beef with them uh yeah so it's a it's a you know all is you know if if i'm sitting here like turkey and saying look i'm going to defend sweden i need to have a vote in that right mm-hmm. and uh, you know the big guys can't just say we're going to do it and then i have to follow along so it has to be you know a, a vote of all the member states okay so i want to shift back to um former president trump's comments yeah, he's yeah criticized NATO forever since Mm -hmm. as early as like the early, like late eighties. You know, he has his very strong feelings about like, like you said, if you don't pay, we don't play. Um, Mm -hmm. But he recently said something that like really encouraged other countries like Russia to quote, 
do whatever the hell they want, end quote, to NATO member states. You know, if U.S. if the U.S. wasn't a part of NATO, would that be like very detrimental to these other members? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's like uh, when you look at the power of the U.S. You know, military capacity, military capabilities, uh, nuclear arsenal, right? You have all of that that's that's underpinning these other much smaller nations that have, you know, limited resources, mm-hmm. right? So when you think about it, it's like everybody's put it, putting something into it. Um, but as most things, you know, there's always somebody that has to pay more when you're paying for a group meal around the table, everybody throws in $5 right. and somebody has to throw in 50, right? To, mm-hmm. to pay the bill. Um, and then of course we have Russia on the other side, which was the big threat and continues to be a big threat. Well, that has a, a huge, uh, you know, nuclear arsenal as well. So if U.S. isn't there, it's a very lopsided and maybe like the paper tiger, <laughs> you know, as far as if Russia, you know, moves in on Poland What's the European Union? They can scrap with them, but you know, it would be a, be a tough fight. If I'm if I read correctly, uh, the contributions from the defense for each member is basically a percentage of their GDP. Correct. And I think the requirement is like two percent. Yep. But mm-hmm. some of them are like one point seven percent and one point five percent. It it seems minimal. But it's is it not? Uh, so so it, it it's it's not minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's you brought up two things there. So one is I believe that our contribution to NATO is like three percent of our GDP, mm. right? But our GDP is huge. So three percent of a big number is a lot of money, right? Right. So so just you know in those in those uh, contexts. Uh, but the other part of it is that. Yes, you know, some of the smaller countries, especially the ones that came in later, mm-hmm. you know, aren't paying 2% yet, right? And that, that's largely what the rhetoric and beef is from the Trump side is, you know, they need to pay up, you know, it's like, a, you know, if they're, if they're at 1.7, they need to cough up and get to two, right? And, uh, and, and I don't have any problem with that pressure like that, um, but again, saying, and if you don't, we're going to step back and let Russia attack you and we're not going to protect you. That's when it becomes more outrageous. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but in that situation, is it is it safe to say that they aren't contributing the full 2% because they don't have the capability or the, the resources? Or is it just they've just decided that they don't want to contribute that full 2%? No, I, I would say it's just like your own home economics, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Verizon uh, increased your bill 50%, would you be able to pay that next month, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I raise it 2%, 5%, 3%, you know, over a period of time, uh, and so these countries, you know, they have to adjust, you know, they've been, you know, have a, they have a GDP, they have a certain cost structure for running their nation and then suddenly they have to cough up two percent of that like that mm-hmm. uh is is very difficult so they have to kind of leg into it over yeah. time and um to make it happen and you know most of the members have d- stepped up yeah so okay. i'm gonna play devil's advocate uh would it be accurate to say that the u.s is really the power behind nato 
Um, so, you know, to kind of define power, right? So clearly the collective <laughs> 31 nations, uh, it, it represents a significant amount of power. When you talk about military power, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, with, with, with all of the assets that we have, space, land, air, nuclear, underwater, you know, sea. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, yes, you know, we have 1.4 million, you know, soldiers, of, you know, which is probably, I don't know, you know, significant more than other nation states right. have to deploy. So, uh, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. So if so, like, is something like this NATO, like this alliance, is it a bit outdated if we're the ones kind of carrying it all? Is it really more, is it really so an alliance? <laughs> is it so, really? Yeah, let's, let's step back. But, you know, this always is framed in a, you know, Russia's the aggressor, this NATO's protecting, you know, mm -hmm. us from Russia, Europe from Russia. Why are we paying? NATO creates stability. Mm -hmm. freedom and the ability for these nation states to trade and have commerce and, and have business. So it's a stabilizing influence globally mm -hmm. having this collective security and political agreement going on and, and why it's been wonderful. I mean, and I don't hate them. I'm not going to use this pejoratively, but when I was learning about NATO years ago, they called it, you know, it was it was started by the dirty dozen, right? <laughs> and uh, kind of a play on things. But anyway, but it was 12 countries, you know, with the U.S. coming out of World War II. And, you know, 31 now, when you look at the NATO block that have agreed on these terms of how to work together uh, and and trade and have stability, that that's really what this is about. And, and we're going through massive changes in the you know reordering of the world order right since mm -hmm. world war ii and in the last i don't know 10 years last five years where you know this is all and i would say since the since the uh, 2014 which was the first opening of this war this is largely a continuation of that since 2014 with ukraine uh we now have seen a substantial Re realigning of the world order with China, kind of you know tie, tying in with Russia. We have up and coming India, so so we need to have these institutions be stable and not mm -hmm. end up in another global war. That's not good for anybody. So if NATO is this great like come together of nations with the trade and you know defense and security mm -hmm. why aren't why are there only 31 nations like why aren't there more why aren't more people like fighting to become a part of nato i think a lot of countries do want to be part of nato but again it's the haves and the have-nots you know one you got to step back and say can we afford two percent of our gdp mm -hmm. we can't even feed our population right that so that that whole like bottom just goes away right yeah and uh, and so, yeah, I think and then then it has to be, OK, it is a collective defense. What are you bringing to the table to contribute to the NATO force? Well, a lot mm -hmm. of countries don't have much of a military. Right. And uh, so this, you know, ends up being kind of this crescent of developed nation states that want to band together. It's just like, a, you know, if you lived out in the country and there's a little community of houses and 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, all of you would have collective defense, whatever it might be, fire Little or neighborhood marauders or whatever. It seems a bit, I guess, morally unfair, in my opinion, because the have nots, you know, the smaller countries who don't have the resources to mm-hmm. participate in NATO, they're kind of left vulnerable. Yeah. So again, those are, you know, now you're getting into the other dimensions of the UN, which is, is Mm -hmm. that structure that came out of the war uh, to have a a venue for every recognized nation on the planet, right? 200 Mm -hmm. and whatever it is, 50 something. So um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's that structure. And then a subset of that structure is NATO, right? And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then there's other, you know, economic blocks and economic treaty blocks. And right. so, you know, there's all of these associations. Uh, and the key thing is, can we keep them intact or are they going to start to splinter mm-hmm. and we're going to see more friction and more challenges? And that's where we are right now. It's And yeah. the whole world is looking at this going, oh, you know, is is this a huge fracture that's yeah. about to happen? And, Speaking uh, of which, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of prognosticating, big word for you, um, <laughs> that a Russian attack on a NATO member state is no longer a question of if, but when. Do you agree? Okay. So, okay, this is a classic, you know, analyst answer. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what if what if Ukraine was a NATO member, right? You know, mm-hmm. Putin said, I attack them because they were going to become a NATO member, right? You know, so, uh, so, uh, and then, and now he's got his, you know, rhetoric pointing at Poland. So, right. Um, I think that right now, because of the way that the U S is looking and the, all the stuff that's going on around the elections and who might be president. Yeah. I think there is a path that, you know, Putin could say, Hey, I've, you know, basically declawed the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to step back from the world stage and I can step forward, right? That would be, mm-hmm. you know, that depends. Or Putin's getting up there in age, 70-something, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what if there's no Putin, right? Well, you know, I, that's fine. But you know what? You could have an, a, an autocrat that's worse than Putin. Yeah, I was right? about to say, would Russia mind. still be so, considered a threat? So I, I would never say that it's inevitable, uh, but... Clearly, if any of these things happen that that creates weakness mm-hmm. uh, or aggressiveness in the case of an autocrat that you know is more aggressive, uh, mm-hmm. then yeah, you could see Russia or any other. I mean, Turkey and Greece went at it; they were both yeah. NATO states. So I'm going to ask you to whip out that good old crystal ball again, so we can <laughs> see into the future. <laughs> Let's say that the U.S. continues to be a strong NATO ally. Do you see mm-hmm. anything changing? Like, what's our benefit there? So our benefit collectively, and then, in, you know, for this podcast, biz, global business mm-hmm. is the same reason we have warships in the, in the you know, uh, Red Sea. It's like, who's out there that's tamping down these things so that we can have stability and we can have global freedom of navigation and trade and those right. kinds of things. And we trade heavily with our NATO partners, right? So, uh, so you know, it is in a very important structure to facilitate. And I, you know, 
everyone loves stability and certainty and, you know, of the course. market, business, everything. Right. And, and look at, we, you know, we're getting you know, pockets of inflation because shipping is becoming more expensive now where people are avoiding the right. Suez Canal. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, so, so that, that's, I guess is how I look at what the value of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and if it's not there and we do have now, and, and we're, you know, and, and we're teetering on it right now, right? We have, I think, 10 active conflicts, wars going on, you know, in the Middle East. We have 45 in the African continent mm-hmm. that doesn't get much play in, in Western media. And then, of right. course, what's going on in South America. So so right now we have a lot of angst and, and kinetic, you know, you know, conflicts going on that, you know, could all of this like bubble up into... A mess, a total mess, right? That's what these, you know, China, you know, the U.S. and European Union, and you know, we're all everyone, Australia, everybody's looking at this thing. How do we like cool things down? Right. Now, on the flip side, what if we, you know, for some reason leave NATO? Will it still even like? Will NATO still exist? And what would that do for global business, if anything at all? Yeah, so one is absolutely will continue to exist because why would the European like not still have collective defense, right? <laughs> Neither, not you know, no one state wants to stand out there alone, right? Right. So it's it would still exist. Um, the problem would be, you know, would Russia now say, "Hey, I can be more aggressive, and I'll go after Poland and Lithuania and Estonia and kind of bring the Soviet Union back together, which has been stated by Putin, Mm -hmm. Uh, then I'd say, you know, the depends. Now I would say, yes, it's highly likely that Russia would start to sweep up the weaker states and the other countries would look at that and say, do we really want to go head to head against Russian military and nuclear capacity would be a really tough call we can yeah. see what's happened in ukraine how would that like if we did leave how would that affect our businesses like the treaty creates so much you know, opportunities for trade uh, so and you know obviously we're de-risking over the last three years but then mm-hmm. you can't snap your fingers and have everything manufactured at home right right so we still rely on a global economy we still rely on global markets right for our goods and services and so mm-hmm. If we were to like say, okay, and then you probably end up in the you know, tariff war where you know, yeah. it's okay, you know, U.S. If you're not going to help protect us, then we're going to start raising the yeah. the wall, and we'll just, you know, we don't, you know, we don't manufacture that much, you know, so it's so that you know, I'm sure they could find alternate supply or you know whatever's and and start, but then you start fragmenting the whole world economy that was not designed and grew up that way during globalization. So like we were just talking, like so much of NATO seems like it's defending against aggression from Russia right now. What happens, you know, like you said, if Vladimir Putin is no longer there and they have someone worse, like mm-hmm. would they still be considered a major a major threat to us? So I can, so you know, clearly, you know, Russia's right there at the doorstep, right? Mm-hmm. NATO, you know, is focusing on, uh, North Korea, they're focusing on China's rising military capacity and nuclear capacity. So, so yeah, I mean, right, the whole Russia boogeyman 
you know, <laughs> definitely was there from a World War II and still is today, but there mm-hmm. are more actors out there that are dangerous and yeah. becoming more dangerous in that regard or capable. And um, so, yeah, it's it's not just Russia. Yeah, there's like this eerie feeling like it's a, almost like a redux of the Cold War. Like, do you think that's where we're headed again? Um, like, like redefine, I, you know, I, I guess in my view of how I look at it is Team China and Team West. <laughs> it's kind of what we have to deal with uh, in, uh, you know, in the next you know, decades. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then India's out there. They're going to try and you know, play both or, you know, I shouldn't say play. They're going to support and, 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 and take care of their country trying to work both sides of that with China. And, defense, yeah. but, you know, as they rise, you know, they're going to be more populous than, than I think now than China. And they're going to have a bigger GDP than China down the road, right? Yeah. As their demographics wane off. So, so as these structures all start going, now it's got to be in, and China's really, you know, they're, you know, Russia's largely a ward of the Chinese state at this point for their economy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've got North Korea. So you've got, you know, some, some real tough actors there um, that are forming and, you know, pretty much they're going to have their own economic model. They're going to be trading. It's going to be a very different world than where we have come from. And we have to learn to navigate that and we can't navigate it with aggression. Right. We need to have, you know, mutual respect and and value between these camps. I agree. I could literally sit here and ask you a million more questions, but (laughs) you know, time is of the essence. Um, But, you know, thank you again for your insights. Always, always the best. Um, but, you know, go ahead and let everybody know how to find you if they have any more questions or want to sure. yeah. chat. It's, uh, or throw eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Macinda Risk Advisory I'm on the web, LinkedIn, and uh, always enjoy hearing people's thoughts and reading about other people's opinions. And I can tell you that there's no right opinion. There's no right crystal mm-hmm. ball you know there's so many dynamics that are going on right but, uh, staying up on it is really important agreed thank you so much for tuning in please visit the world trade center institute online at wtci.org for more insights events and opportunities make sure to follow us on all social channels at wtc institute and we can continue the conversation there see you next week